Well, here we are, the first official episode of Crime After Crime. Hello, everyone. My name is John Lorden. Hello, everybody. It is Daniel Hallen. I've been waiting so long to get into the story I'm going to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> She's really excited about it. She keeps telling me over and over. Uh, you better not let me down. It better be a good one. <laughs> I'm excited. Remember, it's going to be up to them to vote. Who did who did better research and storytelling? <laughs> <laughs> Um, hey, everyone. Thank you so much for being here for our first official episode of the podcast. I know we did the little meet the host segment, and I just want to give a quick thank you to everyone that subscribed on YouTube, over 7,500 subscribers as of when we're recording this. I know. That happened so incredibly fast. I wasn't sure what to expect, and I kept looking at the live subscriber count, and I was like, wow, okay. All right, they're excited. <laughs> yeah, and it was kind of fun to to have that again. You know, um, it, it's it's a little nerve wracking when you're starting an entirely new channel like that, and especially now because they've got all these new rules about not being able to monetize monetize until you hit a certain level of um, subscribers and or watch time, which. I don't know if those rules are really, really all that sturdy because it seems like they flipped ours on before we hit the watch time requirement. I'm pretty sure they did. I'm pretty yeah. sure they did it right as we hit the subscriber requirement. I'm not going to complain about it, though. I think it's pretty yeah. cool. We were able to hit all those milestones. I thought yeah. that was pretty awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it was, it was definitely fun just to take that ride again and to see how different it is this time because we both kind of have, you know, core audiences already and we're able to tell them about the project and had a bunch of people come over. So uh, if you're one of those 7,500, thank you so much. And if you're not and you want to see the YouTube version, be sure to go over to YouTube, search on crime after crime and find us. Shouldn't be too hard. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, so before we get into sharing our stories for the day, uh, I just wanted to talk a little bit about podcasts. I've had a little bit of a thrill happen uh, over the past few weeks. I got uh, a bunch of people telling me that I was mentioned on My Favorite Murder. <laughs> I saw that and I was like, go John, go! <laughs> Now, I think what I was most thrilled about is I think it's one of the bigger podcasts uh, yeah. in, in terms of true crime. And uh, unfortunately, I don't listen to it. it. It hasn't come up as being a point of research for me at any point, which is how I consume most of the podcasts that I listen to. Um, things have been changing a little bit lately. It, it seems like since I've been getting into this arena, I've been trying to absorb more uh, and listening to some stuff that uh, some of our contemporaries are doing. But um, it was certainly a thrill, and I want to thank everyone that let me know about it and uh, thank the team over at My Favorite Murder. Thank you so much for recognizing the uh, work that I put into that episode and letting everyone know that I had done that. I truly, truly appreciate it. Uh, Danielle, what are some of your favorite podcasts? Honestly, I have said this. I've beat it like a dead horse over here. I have said it since the beginning of my channel, but Marissa from The Vanish Podcast has to be my favorite. The way that she's able to tell her stories, that she includes, you know, all these different bits of speaking with people that are involved. And of course, it's what I cover, missing persons on my YouTube channel. So I found myself there a lot for research, and then I kept coming back in my spare time. Just the way that she's able to tell those stories and her voice is so relaxing, so it kind of helps a little bit 
when you're listening to something that can at times be a little bit sad and heartbreaking. But I absolutely love her. And then meeting her at CrimeCon, I was starstruck. I know you know that. I was like, oh my gosh, Marissa's <laughs> over there. Marissa's over there. <laughs> yeah, no, I've, I felt the same way. And it's been great to um, see how her podcast has developed and how the production quality has constantly gone up. Um, but really, when it comes down to just feeling the story, to having someone that's covering it that's actually feeling it and representing that to her audience, she really, really nails that. I think she does a really good job with the interviews that she oh, does yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think it's challenging to cover missing persons cases uh, in audio only format. And she just found kind of like the magic mm-hmm. mix for getting it right. Yep, she uh, paints a perfect picture every time. I already have a visual going in my head. It's it's amazing. And she includes pictures on her website, which I'm really appreciative of. Yeah, and she does a good job of pulling together many, many different photos. Uh, also, when she covers timelines, um, she does a really good job of hitting the bullet points of, of the really the most important aspects of all that. Um, so yeah, and meeting her at CrimeCon, definitely one of one of the highlights for me as well. And since then, we've been in pretty regular contact and every now and then she'll even kick a case over and say, hey, John, you know, here's a family that I featured recently. They need some coverage on this. Would you mind, you know, taking this up? Um, yeah, it's, it's really, it's nice to be part of a community that has people that care like Marissa does. Mm-hmm. I love her. She's the sweetest person. Even in person, I was telling you. Oh my gosh, I'm just blown away by her. She's so incredibly kind. Yeah, yeah. And talking about back to uh, CrimeCon, that was the first time that I went on the Crawl Space podcast. Mm -hmm. And they actually had me on again recently to discuss discuss the smiley face murder theory, um, which was great. Uh, I I like Tim and Lance's approach to talking about those kind of topics. These are guys that uh, they're the kind of guys you want to go hang out at a bar, you know, have a couple drinks with. Yep. Yep. They give off that vibe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really good uh, sense of humor. Um, but they also know how to kind of weave in and out of that and pull it back on topic, which I think is really important for the types of things that they're covering. Um, and I was thankful that this last time I was on, I was able to tell them how much I appreciated their work on Missing Maura Murray, which. Oh, wow. Is, yeah. Yeah, that's one of the first deep dive podcasts that I really uh, listened to, used as a source for my channel. And it really kind of taught me some of the viability of that format of doing a podcast specifically on one topic and just really, really working that topic. And uh, those two guys did a, a really good job on that podcast as well. Uh, any other podcasts you listen to? Anything outside of true crime? or? Well, you've recently had me hooked on Without Warning by Sheila Wasaki. Um, we actually met her at CrimeCon, and I'd never heard of her podcast, but I kept watching people come up to her and just be in awe and you know, thanking her for her work. And she was a private investigator, which is like my absolute dream job. So clearly I was just obsessed from the moment I met her. But then John actually tagged me in one of her more recent series, um, on our podcast for Lauren Ag, am I pronouncing that right? Yep, I always look yep. at it, and my brain wants to say something different. It's spelled A G E E. Yeah. <laughs> but I have done nothing this past week but binge listen that podcast. I was telling John earlier. I've been looking. I've been taking notes. I have been stalking people's Instagram pages. 
<laughs> I have fully put myself into this case now. And the way that she does her podcast, just the form of everything. And, you know, she really explains very specific characters in, you know, these cases. And she really dives deep into, um, you know, speaking to people. She flies out places and really has a good conversation. And she meshes the conversations and interviews in very well with her explaining things along the way so you're not confused. And same thing as Marissa with those visuals. She can really get your mind going on what a place looks like and you understand it a lot better. I have been obsessed with that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I covered that case on Brain Scratch uh, mm -hmm. last month. Uh, you guys can check it out there. I had Sheila on. We did an interview segment and she's actually coming back in the near future because um, we're going to get into some more details. There are so many very important details with that case. Uh, and one of the things that I respect about Sheila the most is that she takes on really, really tough cases. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, she had this special breakout session at CrimeCon last year that I went to about the Jonathan Cruz case. And this is a case where a man either shot himself or was shot uh, in his bedroom. And there was someone else in the bedroom with him. And just in terms of being a mystery, the simple dynamics of that, it really just boils down to, uh, do you believe his girlfriend or do you look at the physical evidence and have a lot of questions about what his girlfriend is saying? Um, and she just doesn't shy away. No, she doesn't. And that's another great thing about her as well is that she has also helped me a lot in my research. And she says, well, when you're put in this situation where this is happening, this is what you do to unfold it all and to understand it all. And I'm over here mind blown in my car on the way to pick my husband up from work like, wow, I've never thought about it like that before. She's, she's amazing. She teaches you a lot in her episodes. Yeah, yeah, she certainly does. Um, and I think that's another thing that I really respect about her is she's very upfront. Um, she really wants you to understand what she's thinking and where she's coming from. Uh, and if you don't agree with that, she wants to understand why. Exactly. I remember you mentioned something to her after the breakout session at CrimeCon and she was like, well, I really want to know why you think that. And I was like, <laughs> I appreciate that you, you approached the situation like that. <laughs> well, more than that, like it's, it's a regular thing now where yeah. she's calling me and she's like, hey, John, you know, you said this. I want to know more about that. What, what, what brought you to that conclusion? Um, yeah, it's really, really cool. And we're talking to Sheila about kind of integrating crime after crime in some way with what she's going to be doing uh, next year at CrimeCon. So keep your fingers crossed. And for those of you that are big fans of Sheila and or myself and Danielle, do your best to get to New Orleans. I'm pretty sure we're going to have something really special going on out there with all three of us collaborating on it. So, uh-oh. It's someone, time. <laughs> someone looks pretty excited about this. Yeah, I do think it's time. We're, going, we're getting to today's official topic, the most bizarre <laughs> weapon. So the challenge was that uh, we would each go off into our respective corners, research, and find a story of the most bizarre weapon to bring that back, present it to you guys. You get to tell us who you think told the better story or did the better research. Uh, or who you like more. I don't know. There's going to be many reasons for why you vote. <laughs> We're not going to understand them all. No. But there will be, be a fun. winner. Yeah, there will be a winner, and there will be the not winner. <laughs> We're not calling anyone a loser around here. It's just the winner and the not yeah. winner. Try again next time. That's right. So with all that being said, Danielle, are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. I'm very ready. I will not forget ever researching this case, and picking a topic was 
a lot more difficult than I originally thought it would be. And it actually took me a couple of hours to stumble across this one. And when I did, I had to Google it multiple times and check to make sure it was real because I wasn't sure if I believed it. So, wow. yes, wow. it's interesting. So, you got my interest peaked. <laughs> John McGinnis was 22 years old and attending Springfield College in Massachusetts when he received a very bizarre charge for attacking his girlfriend in June of 2012. John had a 21-year-old girlfriend they'd been dating for a while. The girlfriend, to this day, remains unidentified, if that doesn't kind of foreshadow things. Uh-oh. But they decided to go to a pub to watch a game. And after the game, they were on their way home. And may I just add that their favorite team did not win the game. So tensions were already a little bit high. Okay. But on this drive, his girlfriend received a text from a male friend, and we all know how that can go already, but it wasn't just any male friend. It was actually a male friend from a previous fling that she had. So John was thrown into a fit of rage. He became very infuriated with her and started a pretty heated argument, and they argued the entire way home. She was the one driving, and at some point in the drive, they just decided to break up. You know, even though it was a little one-time fling, you know, back before he existed, it obviously struck a lot of jealousy in him. So John's girlfriend ended up dropping him off at his home in Marston's Mills, where he lived, and she obviously was booking it out of there because no one wants to hang around with an ex-boyfriend after, you know, that giant argument happens. But just a few minutes down the road, she gets a text message from John saying, I have a $200 pair of jeans here of yours that you left, and clearly since she was in a rush to leave, she hadn't thought about them, and she turned around and went back to retrieve the jeans. Uh Uh-oh. And the scene that she pulled up to was definitely not one that she was expecting. So she pulls up in the driveway and out walks John with the jeans. But he had doused the jeans in wasabi. (laughs) So (laughs) my bizarre weapon, you ask, that I have been going crazy to share with you. And my answer is wasabi pants. (laughs) Wasabi pants as a weapon? I did, okay, yes. Now hold so, on, did he did he wrap them around her neck and try to choke oh, her? I'm gonna get into that. <laughs> what the? So he walks out in a fit of rage with these wasabi pants and runs over to the car, and they start arguing. And he goes to grab her cell phone, and you know takes it with him, probably trying to search through. You know how you know young relationships can be. So obviously she got out of the car and tried to retrieve her phone. But when she did that, he proceeds to whip her in the face with these wasabi pants. Whoa. I don't know if you're familiar with wasabi, but it's spicy and it burns. (laughs) You know, usually when you're eating sushi or you're making something like wasabi mashed potatoes, you take the tiniest bit of wasabi and your whole like nasal cavity is just like on fire. So coating an entire pair of pants in some wasabi sauce and then whipping it on someone's face, I cannot even imagine how badly that hurt her, but obviously she fell down to her knees, she had wasabi sauce all in her eyes, it was coating her entire face, but while she was down on the ground, totally down and out, 
He goes over to her car and then proceeds to totally sabotage her car with more wasabi sauce. He puts it all over the inside of her car. He put it all over the outside of her car. And, you know, she's currently probably worried she's about to go blind from being smacked in the face with wasabi pants. So she somehow made her way back over to the car and was washing her eyes out with some water and was attempting to get the burning to stop. And by the time she could finally open her eyes to see, he kept whipping her with these pants, threw her down on the ground. It was absolutely horrible, but she somehow managed to get her phone out and called 911. And she didn't explain the scene to police officers. She just said, my boyfriend is assaulting me, my ex-boyfriend. So obviously when they pull up, it's a bit of a shock to them to see, you know, the car covered in wasabi sauce and this girl covered head to toe in wasabi sauce. She apparently had, I think, one of her eyes almost swollen shut yeah. from how much wasabi got in it. And when he whipped her with it, he hit her neck and the jeans kind of cut it a little bit. So imagine having oh. a cut and then wasabi paste getting in it. She had just red marks all over her neck. So... You know, obviously, they start handling the situation. He had taken her 2007 Toyota Camry that, you know, again, was doused in wasabi sauce and left it out in the middle of the road. Um, and, you know, she just explained to them that her ex-boyfriend now had been drinking at the bar and overreacted to this text message. And he was charged with three misdemeanors for assault and battery, get this, with a dangerous weapon slash sauce. That's literally what it said. Dangerous weapon slash sauce. And, wow. you know, to make things more interesting, he defended his actions. He said he confessed to everything. He confessed to putting wasabi sauce all over the pants with intent to hurt her with it. He, you know, confessed to covering her car with it. You know, but he kept defending himself by saying, well, she's done worse to my car in the past. And she's crazy. And then... Even better than that, he said, I want to make it known that I am not drunk and she his, which I find hilarious because he's basically admitting he chose wasabi sauce out of the refrigerator while sober right, as a right. weapon, you know? And I think it's absolutely crazy, you know, maybe if he had said he was, you know, intoxicated, someone might understand the fact that instead of grabbing, you know, like the most heavy object or sharp object nearby, he went straight to his fridge and pulled out wasabi sauce, you know, someone might think, okay, he was drunk. Like, that yeah. makes a little bit of sense. But no. And Do we know, was was he um, working in a job where he had access to? I mean, you know, I, wasabi, when I buy, I, I'm a vegetarian, but I still buy vegetarian sushi. And I will get a little tiny dollop that's like half of a teaspoon of wasabi, typically. Yep. To, to have enough to attack someone with, to coat their pants, coat their car. Do we know what the source was? I have no idea. And that's honestly like one of the biggest questions everyone has asked is, you know, first of all, again, he like who when they're thinking of doing something dumb and hurting somebody walks to their fridge and is like, let's see what we have in here. And then on top of that, who on earth has that much wasabi? <laughs> like he coated he coated all of the pants in wasabi and then her entire car was ruined. Wow. Wow. You know, but I think it's so funny that he kept trying to justify his decision and kept saying, oh, well, she's crazier. You know, like, she's done worse to my car. And, you know, he kept saying she was drunk. She was never charged for anything like that. But obviously being, you know, hit in the face with wasabi is probably going to sober you up quite a bit. So I'm sure the authorities didn't 
you know, see anything when it came to her being intoxicated. Yeah. But, um, you know, he showed up in court a month later after the wasabi attack, which is something that no one expects to ever say. Uh, <laughs> but the charges were completely dropped. She never showed up from what I saw. It's just it just said, I will say this, wow. that the witness never showed up. But again, yeah, she's yeah. I mean, what other witness? So, I mean, man. Yeah, that's it's almost, you know, there are um, obviously deterrents like pepper spray. Exactly. Where, and you know wasabi yeah pretty serious it could it could definitely have some kick to it and you can buy it um also as a powder and then you actually add whatever water you want to kind of yeah that's usually what i use yeah so what if yeah, you to have to his... mix it all together beforehand is that like premeditation <laughs> yeah yeah and but even then i'm wondering about the aspect of her you know trying to clean it out and using water to do so how effective would that be or is that how actually potentially making things worse because it's it's you know getting finer and it's going into potentially you know like this the uh cuts that she had on her and all that wow i know and i was trying to find more on her you know to make sure she's okay obviously and i couldn't find anything she does not want to be identified at all Yeah. But I mean, I was trying to figure it out. Like you said, the water, because I've, this could totally be wrong. I could be absolutely crazy. But I've always been told when you eat something spicy, not to drink water because it does. Yeah. It just kind of spreads Passes things around. around. But right. oh my gosh, I can only imagine what that would feel like. And then inside of a scratch, oh my goodness. Yeah. But I was, I did, I saw this story and I was like, there's no way this is real. <laughs> I was like, wasabi <laughs> pants, are you kidding me right now? Like, no one would do this. No one would think of this. Right. And I kept looking into it and I was like, nope, this is true. Someone actually did this. It makes you wonder, like, how much premeditation went into it. Um, you know, like, did he think about this in advance and he had bought a bunch up? Uh, it's just there's so many weird angles on this altogether. And just, yeah, in terms of trying to attack someone, doing it in that way is so strange. You know, it'd be something else if he coated the inside of the jeans with exactly. wasabi and didn't tell her and just gave them back <laughs> oh to her. Oh, my goodness. That would be so bad. But the whole thing is, you know, their altercation happened in the car. And yeah. then she immediately took him home. And it said after a few minutes, he texted her to come back. So he couldn't have had that much time no, to really think no. about much or do much. And... You know, like I said before, when you are, you know, thinking of, oh, I need to do something, I'm going to harm someone, like, you don't assume someone's going to go to their fridge right? and pick that out. It's just so incredibly strange to me, and I cannot understand it. And he genuinely thinks there's nothing wrong with it. Like, he genuinely thinks that's not strange. He thinks that what he did was not horrible. I do not understand it. So maybe, you know, it's something happening up top mentally that he just i'm being serious i'm being serious though Maybe well he is he named john is. so yeah <laughs> i kept thinking that too i was like i'm gonna be sitting here saying john over and over again about this man that attacked someone with wasabi pants and i wonder how it's gonna make john lorden feel <laughs> i promise you i have never attacked anyone with wasabi pants i wouldn't do that there's a very like um prankster mentality going on in that you know exactly like, and he yeah. is you know in his early 20s there's yeah. absolutely no telling what he i mean maybe he He's done something like that before as a joke. And he was like, or, oh, let's. <laughs> yeah. Or had it happened to him? 
him. Maybe, Ooh. you know, some type of hazing ritual. Like, was he getting into a frat or that something? That sounds like it could be very possible. Yeah. I just, I don't know that he would be that creative kind of in the moment to do something like that. It, it seems like he had some previous experience to that. Uh, you didn't run into any media about it, like being done in a movie or a TV mm. show? Having Nope. A, I didn't you know. see anything about it, you know, and they kept you know, asking him, like, what on earth are you thinking? And his only response, like I said before, was, oh, well, she's done worse. So he just seems very childish. Like, he just seems like he, yeah. you know, he was like, well, it's like when, you know, you're mad at someone or, like, sibling fights, and you're like, oh, well, I'm going to replace their toothpaste with mayonnaise. Or, like, you know what I'm saying? Right. It seems, it does. It seems very, like, angry prank. But mm -hmm. that's, I mean, that's quite the prank. Wasabi can be dangerous, clearly. They yeah. considered it a dangerous weapon. You know, yeah. geez. Oh my yeah, and outside of that, there might be something to learn in, um, you know, the day that you break up with someone. Don't, don't make any rash decisions. <laughs> well, don't worry about your, your pants, <laughs> even if they're $200 pants, you know. Let, well, there's probably other stuff that you're going to have to get from them at some point. Just understand that you're, you're going to have that awkward trip. I think most of us have had it, you know, a couple weeks later. You have to go get your old TV. <laughs> Avoid eye contact at all costs. <laughs> yeah, you try to arrange it so they're not there. Can a roommate let me in? Something along those lines. But on the night that you actually break up with someone, it's probably best just to put some distance into each other and not uh, not interact anymore if, if that's possible at all. But, man, mm -hmm. she must have really loved those pants. That's what I'm saying. And then to walk into that not knowing it, geez. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. goodness. It's terrible. Terrible. Wow. Man, <laughs> now you got me worried. Now you have me worried. I told you it was a good one. I told you that this was the most bizarre thing I'd ever heard. Yeah. Yeah, you've you've absolutely got me nervous. I don't know if I can <laughs> if I can top that. It's it's wasabi pants. Okay, but you are John Lorden, and I <sighs> don't put anything past you. <laughs> I did do some work. I did do some work. Um, before I get to it, though, I just want to take a sip from my coffee cup. Hold on a second. <sighs> did you see that, Danielle? I didn't because I took it as a moment to take a sip of my water. Let me see it. Oh my goodness! Now what I have is to that? go and do that. Crime after crime cup, a crime it after is. crime coffee cup. And I drink so much coffee in a day, which probably isn't healthy, but at least now <laughs> I can go get myself one and feel like, you know, hey. Well, we're going to do better than that. You don't have to go get yourself one. Um, this is actually a gift for my wife. If, if you guys watch my channel, uh, you know that my wife likes to celebrate some of the milestones I've got a pillow for when I hit 30,000 subscribers. I've got a hat for when I hit 20, and then another hat when I hit 50. I've got a big rug that's mounted on my wall when I hit, I think, 40,000 subscribers. But she wanted to help commemorate the start of crime after crime with the official mug, so. Oh my goodness, she is she, the best. I hope I get to meet her one day. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So uh, on behalf of Vera and myself, we are sending you and Powell Crime after crime mugs. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm going to have to tell her thank you. Yeah. <laughs> She's only, so sweet. The only four that are known to exist at this point. But do know, everyone, that I'm looking into potential manufacturers to get some more of these made. Maybe we'll use them for giveaways or something along those lines or just offer them straight up for sale. I don't know yet. But uh, that is so awesome. The... She's so awesome. Thank you both so much. I can't oh, wait. You're very, you're very I'll, welcome. I'll make sure I have it next time. <laughs> you all will see it. 
All right, so now we got to get to my story. Can I top wasabi pants? I don't know. All right, so uh, you actually raised a bit of an important point about what what constitutes a weapon. And obviously with those charges, they thought that the wasabi pants, uh, and it probably in particular because it was a type of chemical that could be used that had a pepper agent to it that could be uh, harmful to people. Uh, obviously there's there's been all kinds of weapons that have been made based off that. So I actually went to Merriam-Webster before I started my research and I wanted to define what a weapon was because I wanted to make sure that I found a story that really kind of fit the conditions of this. So according to Merriam-Webster, there's two main definitions. The first one is something such as a club, knife, or gun used to injure, defeat, or destroy. That is quite the definition. <laughs> Yeah, and I was I was curious in particular about how they broke out injure, defeat, or destroy, um, because I really wanted to look for a weapon, but I did not want to look for a murder case with a bizarre weapon. I think we might do that in a later episode. That could almost be its own area, yeah. uh, particularly now that we're talking about an assault in your situation and kind of kind of an assault in my situation as well. Um, but an item used to defeat someone is really kind of where mine it, it's where mine falls in but it's mm -hmm. also kind of where mine falls apart so we'll see um, but there is a second part of this definition which is a means of contending against each other or another uh, which mine certainly fits into so let's get this started april 14th 2012 is that the same year as yours um i think well, i thought mine was 2014 but i could be totally wrong oh okay nope it's 2012 you're right oh look at that it was the crazy year of bizarre weapons <laughs> April 14, 2012. Tax season can add a lot of pressure to citizens of the United States, but add that on top of the usual stresses of life and a bad situation can turn very ugly very fast. It was an emotionally charged day for 35-year-old Renee Jackson. He wasn't feeling respected by his family and had a bit too much to drink. He would wind up at J-Mart, a gas station and convenience store located on Midland Avenue in Fort Smith, the second largest city in the state of Arkansas. As he walked in, the clerk noticed that Renee was holding his leg in a strange fashion. She became even more concerned when Renee mentioned having a gun and started demanding money from her and the customers in the store. Police were quickly dispatched to the scene after someone called 911 and hung up. On the drive over, they got some more information from the call center about the 911 caller. The caller told 911 they were at J-Mart and there was a robbery in progress before hanging up. The cops knew this was a serious situation, but they had no idea how this would go. Back at the convenience store, it was becoming clear to everyone that Renee was very drunk and probably did not have a gun. No one was taking this robbery attempt seriously and he knew it. If he was going to make this work, he needed to show them he wasn't messing around. Standing near the self-service fast food area, Renee saw the weapon that could help him turn this whole botched robbery around. He grabbed the hot dog tongs. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't even oh get it out. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm yes, you. I said hot dog tongs, everyone. <laughs> What is it with these people grabbing weird food items? I don't understand it. Yeah, we should have made this the most bizarre food-related weapon. Um, Renee grabbed the hot dog tongs. He threatened the clerk again. 
demanding that she give him all the money in the store while swinging the tongs up and down in a stabbing motion. Oh, so he meant business with these hot yeah. dog tongs. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and believe it or not, there's actually footage of this. Which, no. Uh, yeah. Uh, for those of you that are on the YouTube version, I'm going to drop it in right now so you can see a little footage of the stabbing motion with the hot dog tongs. Uh, some reports say that he also chased a customer around the store with the menacing hot dog tongs. An, uh, yet another customer got a little too close to Renee and he shoved them away. That customer was not injured, thankfully. A woman used her cell phone to call 911 again. Her frantic voice tells the dispatcher, he's sitting here trying to stab us, and he's saying, give me some money. The dispatcher asks, what does he have? Oh, gosh. <laughs> and she replies, he has a, thong, a, a tong thing. I don't know. It's like a silver tong thing. Uh, there's actually footage of of that as well. Uh, there is surveillance footage showing the ordeal, but the footage also shows something else. At some point, Renee seems to admit defeat. The clerk gives him a pen and some paper, and he begins to write a letter to the police that are on their way, apologizing for his robbery attempt. Uh, something else that is is noticed in the surveillance footage is it appears that there's a little girl that's hiding behind the counter, and that's probably the most disturbing aspect of this story for me um you can see i mean she doesn't look terrified but she's clearly i don't know if she was if her mom was the clerk and she was there working with her or if it's a kid that ran behind the counter when all this stuff started getting nuts um but if you've ever been in a situation even not even a full-blown robbery attempt i was having lunch one time at this place and these these guys that looked like they were gang members came in and started yelling about how they were going to rob the place. I mean, just all the like all the blood drains from your face. You feel like you've got this wet, cold splash of water across your back. I mean, it's it's a really terrible thing. Um, so for a child to be witnessing all this is is probably the thing that bothers me most about all this. Even though it's only hot dog tongs yeah but in at the same time you know in, in a robbery you don't even have to know if the person has any sort of weapon it's just scary yeah. in itself because you don't know what the person alone is capable of doing and then when someone pulls out hot dog tongs it just looks like something shiny like a knife you just never right. know i can only imagine what was going through her head that poor girl yeah and in the footage you can see him really like his whole body is contorting like he's 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 using them in a way where it looks a, a little bit like a stabbing motion, but it's like he's crunching his whole body. So you can see that he's very visibly angry while, yeah. while he's going through all this. But despite all that, <laughs> here's, here's some information from the Fort Smith police. Uh, quote, he attempted to rob the place, but really, I guess nobody took him serious enough to actually give him money because of his state of intoxication, said Corporal Stephen Dooley of Fort Smith police. As police pulled up to the convenience store, Renee dropped the hot dog tongs and stepped outside to meet them. Uh, they demanded that he put his hands up behind his head. Instead, he sat down on the sidewalk and clumsily fell backward and laid down. Uh, he told the officers that he's actually from New Orleans and that he's been fighting with his wife and that he's not appreciated by his wife or his children. The first person that called the incident into 911 was actually the clerk. Uh, she did it when Renee specifically asked her to call 911 and report the robbery. He tells police that he was actually trying to get arrested so his wife and kids could see how they would do without him around. Well, Renee got what he wanted. 
He was immediately taken into custody and charged with two counts of attempted aggravated robbery. No weapons were found on him except for the hot dog tongs. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so are the tongs truly a weapon? Uh, here's another definition for all you guys from Merriam-Webster. Uh, definition of tongs. Any of numerous grasping devices consisting commonly of two pieces joined at one end by a pivot or hinged like scissors. And, of course, when you hear that description, you know, scissors, I think, is definitely a potential weapon, uh, depending on how they're used. Um, but I was still a little unsure about tongs, so I kind of continued the research and wanted to look more into the charges and, and what happened around this. Uh, according to Arkansas Code Title V, Criminal Offenses, Chapter 12 on Robbery, Section 103 for Aggravated Robbery, a person commits aggravated robbery if he or she commits robbery and the person, one, is armed with a deadly weapon, which I think is questionable in this case, uh, two, represents by word or conduct that he or she is armed with a deadly weapon, uh, which I think he certainly fits into. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, even when he first came in, even if you take the hot dog tongs out of the equation, just saying that he's got a gun and he wants to rob the place, I think he's he's pretty much nailed on point two. Uh, point three is he inflicts or attempts to inflict death or serious physical injury upon another person. Thankfully, no one is really attacked here. Like I mentioned, just one person shoved, and I don't think they ever pressed charges or anything like that. Um, they weren't really hurt. Uh, it's known, uh, our aggravated robbery is known as a class Y felony, which in Arkansas is like the most serious crime that is not punishable by death. It can result in a prison term of 10 to 40 years or even life. However, I continue looking into this, dug into the court records a bit. I even called the courthouse at one point trying to get help with the record search. Um, New charges were filed on July 5th, 2012 for the incident. It was now an act of second degree terroristic threatening, which bumps it down to a class A misdemeanor. Uh, a person commits the offense of terroristic threatening in the second degree if, with the purpose of terrorizing another person, the person threatens to cause physical injury or property damage to another person, uh, which both kind of fit in with him yeah. threatening the gun and even the hot dog tongs. Uh, at his court date on January 2nd, 2013, Renee pled guilty. I believe he received one year of probation, and he had a no-contact order that was put into place with the victims of the crime. So uh, I guess he's not going to J-Mart to get his hot dogs anymore. No, probably not. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Hot dog tongs? Hot dog tongs. And J-Mart is still open. And according to their Facebook page, I'm glad they have their tongs because they grill and sell the best ribs on the north side, according to their Facebook page, and um, they'll deliver to anyone uh, an order of over 20 bucks. <laughs> oh so. my goodness. See, I'm telling you though, I feel like things like tongs could be a lot more dangerous than you would assume. You never know. Yeah. Some of them can be very pointy and, you know, stabbing. You can probably gouge somebody's eyes out, you know? Oh my goodness. Yeah, I think you could certainly cut someone. Um, I don't know that the scissor motion in particular is anything. I mean, are you going to just pinch them or no, something I know. along those lines? <laughs> but, you know, some of those tongs have kind of a, it looks almost like a clamshell at the ends. Exactly. And the yeah. metal does get kind of thin there on both sides. Mm -hmm. uh, I do imagine that you could probably 
hurt someone pretty decently if you if you really took to that. But uh, thankfully, this is a case where he wasn't really thinking straight. You know, this is a guy that was really intoxicated. He was emotional. He's upset about what's going on with his family. I mean, just think of all the other objects. Once again, kind of to your point about the uh, wasabi pants. Yeah. Think of all the other objects that he had access to uh, being in that store. You've got bottles all over the place. I'm sure there was real scissors, maybe for sale and behind the counter. Yeah, they might have had, you know, knives somewhere. If they do make food, there's also, yeah. I mean, they could have had a giant chopping knife that he could have, whoo, man. Yeah, it's almost yeah, times I, like this where you're happy someone chooses the dumb weapon. <laughs> you're like, good, thank goodness that you decided to grab some hot dog tongs and some yeah. wasabi sauce because this could have gone much worse. Absolutely, absolutely. And honestly, uh, there is something after looking into him and kind of looking into his background. I, I haven't seen any other charges that he's had since this. Uh, there is something that kind of makes me feel sad for the guy. You know, here he is. He feels like he's not being taken seriously by his family and he kind of acts out in this big way so people will finally take him seriously but even in the middle of that act out people are just like hey this dude's just drunk and we're not going to give him any of our money <laughs> that's a very good point i hadn't connected the two till you said that that's that's sad he's he's a little bit off his rocker and his way to go about that but man yeah yeah and i'll tell you uh, if anyone at Jmart happens to hear this, if you guys still have those tongs, I would love to have the hot dog tongs that were used in that attack. Seriously. Oh, my goodness. Like, looking back on it, it's one of those things where you're like, are you serious? Like, that's hilarious. But as I said before, being in the middle of all that, you just never know. And again, as we oh, said, you never know what you can do with those things. It's always the most random objects that somehow do the most damage and then not knowing exactly what it is and then i haven't seen the video yet but just picturing how he was acting while holding them i would have yeah. been terrified but then i probably would have left laughing being like are you serious right now you tried to use hot dog tongs to stab me but yeah. man in the moment and again as you said the robbery your adrenaline is running you have no idea what's happening other than you're just petrified yeah i don't know if i'm much better because in, in that time where uh, I was having that lunch and someone came in and these guys said that they were going to rob the place, the first thought I had was, I'm going to grab this butter knife. So there we go. You were going to take <laughs> him down single-handedly with a butter knife. Right. <laughs> my house was broken into one time and I remember looking around my room and trying to think of what I was going to use if they came to attack me and I think I picked up like a glass sculpture of a horse. Now that, that would have been a story. I might have been using my own story today. <laughs> But absolutely times of desperation uh, you will grab the strangest thing if you think it's going to get your point across yeah when that robbery happened was anyone at home or was the house empty it was me it was my sister and my mom it was wow terrifying. yeah we were at all, home all at home and i heard i was the only one awake and i heard them downstairs and i was like okay this is serious thankfully we what, were all we were all fine um they how old up, were you Oh, man. I think I was maybe a freshman in high school. Um, but I also have very bad anxiety already. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I'd already woken up, I think, like three times that night to hear whoever it was on our back deck because my room overhung our back deck. And I, I thought it was just the storm. And I kept telling myself, I'm like, Danielle, calm down. The storm's just moving the furniture around on the back deck. That's all it is. And then they actually took the whole window frame and all out of the wall to get in because they couldn't get our window itself open. And I heard that. And they that. didn't break it? Mm -mm. 
Wow, these they were removed some the whole very, frame. Yes, these were some very badly made condos <laughs> that we were living yeah. in. So that's probably a lot of that. But I'll never forget, I heard them come in. And one of them dropped something on the floor and cursed afterwards. And I was like, nope, where's my glass horse? Like, And I grabbed it. And I saw yeah. one pointy end on it. And I was ready to take them on. <laughs> I was ready for it. But... Whew. So how did this, how did it play out? What what happened? Um, I think they heard me awake. Um, I They came up the stairs and the way my bed and bedroom was, my door was cracked and I could see straight through to the stairs. And usually I was worried about, you know, like the boogeyman and ghosts. <laughs> usually right. that was my biggest fear. But they started coming up the stairs and then I think they saw me sitting up in bed and they fell down the stairs and then left. And I ran with my weapon in hand into my sister's room, grabbed her, then ran into my mom's room, grabbed her and we called my grandfather. And by the time he got there, you know, nobody was in the house anymore. And yeah, it was wild. It was terrifying. But I'm telling you, in one of those moments, you're like, okay, what weird weapon can I use? Yeah. And you find yeah. the closest thing and it could be something absolutely crazy, but hey. Yeah. I think that's almost like uh, the type of moment that Renee had when he was in the store and just things weren't going his way. Yep. And it was just a total desperation move of whatever he could grab, whatever he was, was near. Wow. Mm. Uh, was anything serious stolen? Mm. What did no, they take? No, that's what was so strange about it. And I actually tell people this story all the time because they never took anything. But they had to have been in there for a good couple of minutes. They, you know, wandered all the way around through our living room. They were in our kitchen, which I thought was very bizarre, hopefully not looking for a weapon. Um, but I don't know. They didn't take a single thing, um, you know, dumb on our part, but we never called the cops because my mom didn't believe me. And, you know, when you're in a situation like that, you're almost like, am I hearing things? Like, am I crazy? But my did sister... She see, did she see the window was taken out? So they put the window back, but when you went to look, they had put their knees right on the sill of the window outside. There was a pretty large lip there and it was very dusty and dirty. Um, we kept a lot of our storage stuff back there. So, and I think it had, you know, they did you know, a lot of lawn care back there, and you could see perfect imprints of where two knees had been for someone to pull the window up and crawl in. Wow. Wow. And, well, the thing is, is we didn't know they took the window out. Right. Because, again, I come from a paranoid family. We may or may not have nailed our windows down. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we oh, I guess to get another quick thing, we had a homeless person living under our house. <laughs> mm. I'm just full of crazy stories. But... We didn't want this person obviously coming inside, so we nailed those back windows down just to make sure. Right. And again, we you know got this person out. This person was taken away by authorities, but you know safety measures. We nailed those suckers down, and so that's why my grandfather he thought you know no one got in here. There's no signs of forced entry. You know the windows are nailed shut. Like no one came, no one came in through here. And I remember I didn't believe it. And this is me being a little investigative girl. As a freshman in high school, I was like, I'm doing my own forensic examination. And I, <laughs> I did, I went outside and I was looking at the prints on the sill, pushing, leaning up against the wall and the whole thing fell out. And I will never forget like the chill that went down my spine. I was like, no wonder the window wasn't open because they took the entire thing off. Right. And just right. set it back in there. Wow. Whew. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm glad it ultimately wasn't 
too serious because that's that's a pretty terrifying story in itself oh yeah man and that's one of those things where every noise after that for a good period of time your whole yeah. body just jolts at it it was terrifying yeah yeah all right well uh so i don't know i don't know daniel i think this is going to be a pretty tight one between <laughs> hot dog tongs and wasabi pants wasabi pants hot dog tongs um I don't know. Do you feel like your story has an edge up in any way? What do you think? Honestly, I was so sure of it coming in here, but now I don't know because the second I heard hot dog tongs, I just burst out laughing. Like I, I actually saw you smiling. I think you read it before I actually got to it. I kind of saw you out I of was, the corner of my eye. I hadn't actually. I was anticipating oh, really? it. I was just like ready to see what it was, but <laughs> I don't know. I was so sure coming in here. I have told my husband so many times, I'm like, I can't wait to sit down with John and tell him about my wasabi pants, but <laughs> I just don't know anymore. Yeah, I don't, I don't know either. I think it's pretty close. Uh, I do appreciate that... Um, we kind of hit a similar tone in terms of what we were looking at. <laughs> we're just on the same page. I'm telling yeah. you at all times. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Um, I did find a page I just wanted to uh, let everyone know about. It's at a website called uh, instantcheckmate.com. And they have an article that is the wackiest weapons ever used for a holdup, specifically for a holdup. Um, a syringe, a plastic bag, a video game controller, uh, you know, basically putting it in your pocket and kind of acting like it's a gun and then using that for a, a hold up. Uh, a toilet plunger. I saw which, that one. I came across that one in my research. I sure did. I considered using it for a good second. There's a little. It's a pretty good one. Um, but the, the toilet plunger at least has some leverage on it in terms of just it being a stick. I mean, yeah. it's it could be dangerous potentially. Um, a stick is actually one on this list as well. A banana. I mean, Once again, looks like yeah, a gun. At, exactly, as a gun pocket. replacement, you keep it in your pocket. Uh, a handwritten note, nothing at all <laughs> is one of them. Uh, hot coffee was another. There are just so many different stories to pull from, but I don't know. There was something about when I saw hot dog tongs, I had to roll with it, and I'm, I'm kind of glad I did. I actually had a little fun doing uh, more of the research about the charges and what happened with the charges. I had to find this, um, you know, for that particular state, their their record systems are using kind of older systems. Yeah. And it, it took me probably a half an hour just to figure out how to log into that system and then actually get it to do a search. I mean, it's just, it's not recent or modern. So it's not a matter of just, hey, click here and put in your search term. Like you have to use your keyboard and you have to use specific keys to do things. It's just, it was nutty, but... Uh, it was a lot of fun getting that together. So, yeah, it was definitely. I think it's a it was definitely interesting going through different, you know, different things through that. Man, I had so many that I almost picked down from like a pot of grits. I think is one that I saw, and oh, then yeah. I think that there was a syringe when someone used antifreeze. Like it's people get crazy. There was one from a really long time ago that I didn't use, and I think he's known as the Umbrella Assassin. Some people might be aware of it, where he you know had the tip of his umbrella. It had a needle on it, but the needle was injected with this poison and he oh, would yeah. poke people to death. That's right. crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And with a lot of those syringe cases, it's people that are threatening that there is some kind of disease or something uh, in the syringe as well. So, yeah, that could be pretty terrifying. Definitely not something I'd want to face someone coming at you with a syringe of any kind. I don't even like it when it's my doctor. 
I know, exactly. Like, stay back, please. No, thank you. (laughs) No, thank you. All right. So we are going to put up polls at both uh, Twitter and YouTube for this one. So uh, the YouTube poll, um, there'll be a link in the description box below directly to the poll, as well as probably a little card that will fly out and warn you about the poll right about now. Uh, On top of that, for the Twitter poll, um, you have to follow either myself or Danielle. We will we will both retweet that poll. Uh, you can follow me at Lord and Arts, and you can follow me at Danielle Hallen Y T and D A N E L L E H A L L A N. There is no I in my name. It's odd. We will work through this together. We will eventually all figure this out. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's why I'm making her say her name at the start of every single episode. Um, when yeah, when I first started getting introduced to her work i was wondering if it was pronounced danelle or danielle and i kept watching her videos but she never said her name and i was like ah how am i supposed to know i wanted it to remain a secret no Helen's yeah. even confusing too because people think it's halen and i'm yeah. telling you i'm just well, out I here to it. confuse everybody yeah i get it all the time with lorden too people it's l-o-r-d-a-n it's basically like jordan but with just an l instead of the j but people make it L-O-R-D-O-N, or they'll just make it Jordan. As a matter of fact, when I when I went <laughs> like, on... Forget the L. <laughs> yeah. When I went on um, Crawl Space, uh, I think they first introduced me as Jordan. They're like, hey, we've got Jordan from Brain Scratch. <laughs> and then they apologized for it the second time I was on. So, yeah, I get it all the time. But it's at Lord and Arts, L-O-R-D-A-N-A-R-T-S. And of course, you can search for us on YouTube. The easiest way to find me is to search for Brain Scratch. If you find any of those episodes, you'll find the Lord and Arts channel, and that's where you can subscribe to me. And then again, you can just search me on YouTube at Danielle Hallen without the I. Should pop up. Yeah, there you go. Danielle with no I. <laughs> that's that's what we're going to call you from now on. <laughs> People are going to um, start thinking weird things about that, though. They're going to be like, so how does she see? Like, can she see well? (laughs) Oh, man. Just forever confusing people, I'm telling you. It's going to go from one thing to another. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny you mentioned that. That actually, uh, when I was doing stand-up, I did do stand-up for just a little bit back in the day. Uh, That was one of the jokes I wrote was, um, what what did the mouse say to the keyboard? Watch out, you have a bee on you. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and what did the keyboard say back? Thanks for telling me. It's hard because I only have one eye. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're telling me is that your experience in my great joke just now means I should also do stand-up comedy. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. That's, that's all that it takes. Yeah, you guys just... can catch me at. I'm just kidding. <laughs> And as you can see, I stuck with it because now I'm doing true crime on YouTube. (laughs) Um, All right. So that's how you can follow us, everyone. Uh, The Crime After Crime podcast is produced and hosted by Danielle Hallen and John Lorden. And we quickly want to thank the patrons. As you guys know, if you've watched our previous episode on YouTube, we started it off there. We are doing no ads on our podcast-only audio form um, for the first year, and we are mainly running off of Patreon, and they are the ones who are allowing this podcast to keep going, and you know, you guys have been awesome. We both talked about how we recognize so many names on there and all these great supporters, and just big shout out to them for helping us sustain this, and you guys, make sure you thank them as well, because it's keeping no ads 
on the actual audio form and it's keeping very limited ads on YouTube. So thank you patrons. Huge deal. We love you guys so much. Absolutely awesome to have you. Yep. Uh, we've got a special segment actually for our patrons that is recorded. We'll be coming out a few weeks after this specifically for them. And uh, one of the things we touch on is talking about how do we keep from getting too down uh, considering the cases that we cover kind of a little bit of our work-life balance and you know we know a lot of you guys have asked that question at least i know to me all the time i'm constantly asked you know what do you do to kind of separate yourself from the cases you cover because on our particular youtube channels we talk about heavier topics we talk about missing persons cases and you know unsolved murders and all sorts of true crimes so we figured that would be a great way to start out for you guys to kind of hear the most asked question Yep, absolutely. And we kind of ran into a little bit of a unexpected topic. What do you what do you think about that one, Danielle? We kind of brought in Daniel Nations from the Delphi murders. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with him. I know John and I both covered the case on our YouTube channels and we spoke about recent contacts we may have had with him and kind of new things happening in his life recently and it's it's interesting. Interesting ride. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Didn't expect that conversation to take that turn, but I'm glad it did because I didn't know he had reached out to you as well. So very, very uh, interesting. If you want to hear more about that, all you have to do is become a patron. As little as a buck a month, you can get in there and get the extra segment that we release every month for them. All right, everyone. If you've enjoyed this, please rate or review us on whichever platform you found us on. We need help growing. You are absolutely a major, major part of that. And thank you so much for spending some time with us here today on the first episode of Crime After Crime. What do you think, Danielle? I thought it was awesome, and I cannot wait to see the poll results. I'm so excited. Yeah, absolutely. Who's going to be the not winner? That's kind of what I'm wondering. <laughs> no losers here, just the not winner. I was almost wondering, uh, should the winner only get the privilege of using the Crime After Crime mug in the particular episode? I think that's brilliant. You like that? Yes. Okay. It's like when you're in elementary school and it's like if you were the student of the week and you did great, you could take that weird stuffed animal home that had been touched by too many children, <laughs> except this is just like a coffee mug that we can enjoy. So yes, and we can wash for ourselves. So. <laughs> <laughs> or All like right. the pet hermit crab, you know, you never know. We'll keep it to a coffee mug. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, Danielle, thank you so much. I'll see you next time on Crime After